square. The show is just about to start. Here we go. Are you ready to do this? Let's get started. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Fauci groupie. I'm a thrice vaccinated mask adherent. I buy KN95 masks, buy the, you know, caseloads. How should vaccinated and boosted people behave? Can they go into a restaurant, eat safely indoors right now? You know, when you're having such a, I call it a tsunami of infections, we are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. Hi everyone, it's Senator Chuck Schumer, and I want to wish everyone a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. It's with great joy, thank you all for all of your courage and commitment to make the future better for our country. I'm trying to put a blessing on my life, okay? Get vaccinated, get boosted. There's plenty of booster shots. And by the way, we have booster shots for the whole nation, okay? We, you can still get COVID. Oh, you can still get COVID. COVID's still available. We have plenty of booster shots. We have plenty of COVID. That's my show. Good night, everybody. 406 on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Jack Riccardi, late afternoon show. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot to talk about today. Have you heard about this mom? That uh, She's a teacher in the, in the Houston area. And her school district was doing a drive-up testing thing, and she she had reason to believe her 13-year-old son had COVID. He had symptoms. She wanted to get him tested. So she took him to the drive-up test location in the trunk of her car. She put him in the trunk of her car, says 41-year-old Sarah Beam, because she didn't want to get COVID from him. Now, let's break this down. She lives with him. He's a teenage boy. Teenage boys are biohazards even without COVID. The less you think about it, the better off you are. Right? You know what I'm saying? One word with teenage boys. Surfaces. Yeah, don't even, you don't even want to, right? Don't even think. Don't, just stop. She put him in the trunk to minimize her exposure to COVID. She's, she, she gets to the drive-up testing place, and apparently they could hear him in the trunk. You know, probably like, whoop, whoop, give So they, they pop the trunk. They're like, what? She explains. They tell her, and I would just, oh, would I love to have audio of this. Oh, if only somebody had been recording this. They tell her, you have to seat him in the car. He has to be in the vehicle. Oh, okay. So she puts him in the back seat, which, you know, negates the whole. And then they call the cops on her, which, I'm sorry, but she's not going to be mother of the year this year. This is not going to be her year for the, for the plaque. Imagine what Mother's Day is going to be like in her house. All I could think of was, this seems like the mafia approach to COVID-19. You know, and I'm allowed to make that joke because I'm Italian. But it's very mafia. You know, very very good fellas. Very the Sopranos. I come from, I'm pretty sure someone in my family at some point has put somebody living in the trunk of a car. I'm, I'm pretty sure somewhere, if we went all the way back, Ancestry.com, I'm pretty sure somewhere somebody has done it. It's it's very mafia esque, isn't it? It's 
I mean, it's just, what makes people like this? We talked about this this morning. What makes, I don't know this lady, she could be a, a, a real wing nut, but on the other hand, maybe at one time she was like you and me. It seems unlikely, but it's possible. What is making people like this? What is making people so delusional? She put her kid in the trunk of the car. I mean, you know if you're a parent, you take care of your kids, and you're with them no matter what. I mean, parents lie down in the hospital bed with their kid, right? You've you've taken care of every kind of contagious disease and pox and flu and virus and goose coming out of every orifice, and you're there, and you're taking... And you wouldn't have it any other way as a parent, Right? I mean, when my daughter was in the hospital, we were in the room, like, all the time. We didn't drop her off at the entrance. And, and I, I mean, that's, and, and, and I mean, that's normal. That's what most people do. That's what almost everybody does. I mean, if they, if you were in a, if you were in some kind of, like, um, sci-fi movie, and they came to you and they said, look, um, aliens have, have, uh, invaded, and they have taken over the body of your teenager. Which, if you've ever had a teenager, you know that, that that's plausible. But anyway, if they said to you, there's an alien creature, like, remember the Sigourney Weaver thing with the... You would still stay with your kid. And if they said, we're going to put your child in an isolation chamber, you'd say, well, put me in there with her or her. I mean, the trunk of the car... What have they done to this woman? What have they done to people like her to make her like this? And and the good news is we're reaching such a peak of insanity that I think we're I feel like this is the end the beginning of the end. You know what I mean? This is where we this is where we take our country back. This is where we take control, rational people, not not that we're going to be in denial, not that we're but just that we're going to start being you know, collectively smart about this. You've already been doing that. I mean, you've already been living your life. You've already been going places. You do your own risk assessment. But I I think this is where people are like, okay, enough. Now, there was a story over the weekend about how Congress is, and this sounds like I'm making it up, and I'm not. Congress is considering another stimulus to help small businesses, particularly restaurants, because restaurants are dying in this this, uh, Omicron surge. You know, just when they were starting to get their mojo back, they're having to close dining rooms again. They're having people not show up. They're having staff quit. They're having customers not want to come in. And so Congress is saying, well, we'll do another stimulus. And, I mean, this would be funny if it wasn't tragic. We cannot buy our way out of this. We can't print money and buy our way out of this. What what are we stimulating? (laughs) How much money are we going to give people to get them to do what they want to do and they know they have to do anyway? What's the price of that? I think it's zero. And I feel for the restaurants. I do. And I know they would like to have some help. But the help they need is for us to go back to living our lives. There isn't any amount of money. There isn't any additional debt we can take on. There isn't any additional paper we can print that will take the place of people just deciding to live with this. And so we're going to talk about that. I want to know what you think. 210 599 And then the other thing that's happening these days 
is we're having all of these um, conversion moments, right? I call them conversion moments. All these people are getting religion who a year ago and 18 months ago uh, were destroying our country, destroying our economy, destroying our kids by closing the schools. Now all of a sudden, all these experts are coming out and saying, it's very important we keep the schools open. Politicians, public health officials, we now know, they say, that distance learning doesn't work. You now know, we were telling you that a year and a half ago. doesn't work. It's not working. Teachers were telling you that. If you would listen to teachers, not teachers' unions, there's a big difference. Teachers' unions are run by people that don't teach. Teachers in the classroom can tell you it's not working. It doesn't work. We now know that virtual learning did not work. Says Dr. Zeke Emanuel. Well, welcome to the party, guys, but where have you been? And we know what's happening here. They're not they're not learning. They're looking at poll numbers. They're they're anticipating a political uh you know disaster in the fall. And they're trying to buy their way out of it and, and head out of it with stimulus and we'll keep the schools open and five days instead of ten days. I mean, this is obvious, right? We can all see this, can't we? Two ten five nine nine fifty five fifty five. But yeah, these these uh, come to Jesus conversion moments are uh, are so rich, and you know we did it in Texas. We got the kids back fairly quickly, and in some places they never stopped going to school. And there were red states that did this and kept things going and kept businesses going. And they're saying in the in the in the rest of the country, well, we now know. Well, at the time we were doing it, you called us Neanderthals. And you said we didn't we we didn't know what we were doing. We we're gonna get everybody killed. But why are you now suddenly parroting or or taking this line? I, I don't believe it's because you've come around. I think it's because you're you're now realizing your bill is coming due. Your your uh reckoning's coming due. And Democrats have to be looking at some hellacious poll numbers. If you listen to the way they're talking about COVID now, there's no other way to explain this. I've, I've tried. I really have. Because I know I'm a cynic, and I know my mind goes right to the most cynical thing. But there's no other way to look at this. Biden realized he did not and could not stop the virus. He could not end COVID. So now he has his allies out there putting out a new narrative. Well, no one can stop it. It's unstoppable, and we've got to live with it. And kids have to stay in school, and we've got to manage the risk in our lives. I, I hope people will remember where these people were before they had these conversion moments. Anyway, we're going to talk about all of that. Um, we do not have a poll question on the show today. Because I'm really toying with the idea of maybe not doing a poll question anymore. There's so much stuff we talk about. And we've been doing a poll on this show since the 1980s, believe it or not. And I just kind of wonder if it's run its course. You know, a lot of the stuff we do on this show, when we started doing it, no one was doing it. I don't. I, I never saw any 
any other daily radio show do a poll, and we started doing ours. Now everybody does a poll. And I don't know, it doesn't feel as special as it used to feel. And it, it, frankly, it's, it's hard to take all the things that are going on in a day and boil them down to one uh, question. So it's not, this is not a poll question, but uh, let me know what you think. Tonight's the national championship of uh, college football, Alabama and Georgia. And even though they are like, you know, the usual suspects and it's to the surprise of no one that um, they made it, you know, for all the, the thought that there would be new blood and Cincinnati and Michigan and some other programs that uh, briefly broke into the top five. It looked over a while like Iowa. Uh, might get into the top four. Uh, look for a while like uh, we might have Oklahoma State in the playoffs. But, okay, in the end, in the end, we wound up with uh, Georgia versus Alabama. But I still think it'll be a great game tonight. Really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, we're thinking about the poll question, uh, maybe just doing away with it. So let me know what you think. Uh, that is not itself a poll question, but um, just kind of, you know, it's kind of like, you know, like a lot of things. It's under review, right? 210-599-5555. I'm probably under review, too. I don't know. Um, the new mayor of New York has indicated he will not veto or block a new law that passed the city council before he was elected. or I'm sorry, before he took office. So while he was a candidate, Eric Adams had indicated he did not agree with this. The council passed it, and now that he's mayor, he says he will allow it to become law. It's going to allow non-citizens to start voting in New York City in their city elections. So starting in 2023, when they have their next city elections, an estimated 800,000 non-citizens can vote for city positions, including his job. Uh, And um, I, I really marvel at why people are silent over this. So it's not worth even talking about why the Democratic Party is is trying so hard to uh, replace current voters with new voters. They have run their, their game on the existing American electorate for so long that they're wearing out their welcome in places they used to take for granted. They're wearing out their welcome with black voters. They're wearing out their welcome with Hispanic voters. They're wearing out their welcome with Catholic voters and Asian American voters and young voters. And, and it's just not working anymore. The game isn't working anymore. And they, they desperately, rather than, rather than reflect on who they are and what they stand for, they desperately need new people to retail these old ideas to. And that's where you get, let's not, let's have non-citizens vote or let's have Let's, let's rock the vote, and uh, Michelle Obama says we're going to find a million more new voters. I, I, I do, however, have a question about this. So I know why they're doing it. Why are people sitting still and taking it is my question. So if you are a, a citizen who votes, this is a slap across the face. If you're a new citizen, if you're somebody that went through the ordeal of becoming a citizen, if you waited and did all the paperwork and jumped through the hoops and paid the fees and did everything you were supposed to do, and you did it with joy, you did it with with um, with excitement to become Americans. And now this, 
what's the what's the point? You're, you must you must feel like a sucker. So we were talking this morning about why don't more people just say no? We're not having this. You can't do it. And the only thing I can come up with, but you may have a better idea, is I think people are afraid of being called racist or being called xenophobic. And there's nothing racist or xenophobic about wanting citizenship to mean something, to stand for something. There's nothing xenophobic about the idea that the people who make decisions in a local election or in any election should have a stake in them. And having a stake in them means you've been in the community and you are part of the community, not you are visiting or you're here on a work contract or you're here to get a degree. And there's nothing wrong with those things. And if in the future you'd like to be a citizen, we would love to have you as a citizen. But to conflate those two and for citizens to let that conflating happen, is that's the part that's infuriating to me. And if enough people said, hell no, it would stop. But if you stay silent because you're afraid you'll be called names or you'll look somehow unsophisticated or uncosmopolitan, then you're gonna, your vote's going to get wiped right out. I don't get why people aren't seeing that. Or maybe they are, and they just, again, they just don't want to, oh, I don't want to be labeled, I don't want to be attacked. I had somebody say this morning, you know, it's not just fearing the label, being called things, being labeled, being called out can affect your work, can affect your job, can affect your academics. I guess that's true. Is that what they have over you? Um, should we continue a JR poll question? Uh, kind of wondering about that. Rick says, uh, no, bury it in the middle of the ocean. Al says it should just be occasional, not every day. Barbara says, keep the poll. John says, you're making me nervous. What next? The dish. So tell me what you think. Um, you can do that at uh, 210 599 5555, or you can uh, shoot me an email, jack at ktsa.com. This is not actually a poll question about the poll question. That would be like holding up a mirror to a mirror. You know, it's, too, it's very weird. Um, all right, so the mayor of New York City says he's okay with it now. He didn't like it as a candidate, but now Eric Adams says uh, it's a good idea to let non-citizens vote in the city elections. Uh, that'll happen in 2023. Your thoughts on that, and Bill is on the radio on KTSA. Bill, good afternoon. Hi, Jack. You called me right when I'm under this freeway. I hope you can hear me. Um, yeah, Jack, yes. my wife's a green card holder, and, and you know, she can't vote. we got a five-year-old daughter. You know, I, I mean, it, it's really frustrating to hear people talk about that they need to vote and the effort it took to get her here through a fiancé visa. And I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, I could, I could, we could talk for 30 minutes on the story it took to get her in this country. And... I, I, I just find it unbelievable. I mean, she's a patriotic woman. She loves where she's from. She loves the states, and and to think that you can just just you know geography is destiny. But just because you're staying there doesn't mean you're a citizen. I mean, everybody says that you know we're a nation of immigrants. We're not. We're a nation of citizens. And it, it just mm. you've got to put that together. And and you, you've got to earn. There's state you have to earn some stuff. And it isn't about. It's not about what color your skin is or your last name or you know your accent or all that good stuff. But there, you, you, need, you need to have some skin in the game and be vested and 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 you know I, I don't know I, it is it's personal it's amazing when I hear people argue and you and you listen to them and they don't they haven't lived through it to see people 
treat my wife differently, this country I love, and it, it, it harms me sometimes, but then you realize that she's here. I was watching the news the other night, and everyone with this, the clearest opinion on this are actually immigrants themselves. It's so amazing that the clean, clear eyes of the immigrant about mm-hmm. what we have here, it comes out mm-hmm. of their voice. They see mm-hmm. it so clearly, and I'm always reminded, I, I tell her since the first day I met her, her new eyes, she sees the most obvious things that as Americans, we just like miss because we're so spoiled mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. being a citizen and having this authority of what we have to have impact in our government. It's so, it's just taken for granted. I mean, I've worked overseas and yeah, it's different out there. Don't fool yourself. And yeah, if you're, you just, if you're not a citizen, you can't vote period. And my wife is a 10 year green card holder and she cannot vote. And it's just, it's not that easy. you got to earn it. She hasn't earned it yet. We'll get there, but it costs money. Right. But just because you showed up, you don't get to vote. I'm sorry. Yeah. I can hear the passion in your voice. You really, I mean, you re- this is, you're fired up about this. Um, so let me ask you, Bill, why do you think more people don't see, see this with clarity? I, I mean, even if they're not immigrants, I understand your point about new Americans sometimes have a fresh appreciation or a unique perspective, but, but every American should be looking at this saying, this is an attempt to dilute my vote. This is an attempt to negate my vote. I think we're on autopilot. I think that, you know, the, the amount of people that participate in an election is just dramatically less than the, the amount of, you know, the population. Um, there are a lot of spectators out there that really don't think they have impact. And you made a comment earlier that I agree with, and that is, you know, speaking up is hard. I mean, I, 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 I for my profession, I'm on LinkedIn, and my my employer is next to my name, and so I don't have an opinion on that on that social media page because I don't want to have an impact on my employer, and and and, and so people just get get in, uh, intimidated by mm-hmm. by this mm-hmm. this this straw man that's going to come and get them. But this is right. I mean, I don't know. It, when 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 your child is in a school and 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 you're, they're being held back because there's a language barrier in the classroom. I'm, I mean, I'm new to Texas. This is you know, the state I came from had, had just, you know, the school district had like 80 different dialects. It, it, it's it's insane what what the, this new world's going through. And I, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but it's just, it's, yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they're speaking. I think they're, they're afraid of something. There's just, a, I think you're right. Yeah. This social pressure, it's, it's just bizarre. Well, good people don't want to be hit with a bad label i mean good people do not want it's it's distasteful and ugly there's very few people that welcome or relish a fight most people just want to stay keep their nose clean uh get home from work be with their family they don't want to fight and so i think you're right i think they've been stunned into silence on 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 a lot of things this being uh one of them but bill you're a terrific uh, guy a good caller your your uh, wife is lucky to have you i hope you'll call again it was nice hearing from you um just to put it in perspective uh, roughly, I'm rounding the numbers, okay? So roughly 1.1 million votes were cast last year in the city election in New York. The estimate is that over 800,000, I think it's like 820 or 825,000 foreign nationals could join the voter rolls. Now, maybe not all of them would, but let's say that, let's say that you had 1.1 million and you add 800,000. Roughly, you are essentially cutting the 1.1 million 
almost in half. You're cutting their the, the power of their vote in half. And you're not cutting it in half because there's 800,000 new citizens. You're cutting it in half because you've thrown out the principle of sovereignty and self-determination. And as Bill just very eloquently put it, what it means uh, to be a citizen. And this is part of a bigger effort to erase the distinctions between citizenship and non-citizenship. I mean, if you don't have that distinction, then we don't have to worry about the border anymore. The border isn't a crisis anymore, right? What are we, what are we angsting about the border? They're all, we're all people. We're all brothers and sisters. We're all, we all bleed red. We don't need to worry about who's here and whether they should be. So there's something much bigger going on here. And the silence of people is what's allowing it to happen. It's not that these are popular ideas. It's not that everybody thinks, well, it's about time we did this. They know you don't want to speak up. And they know that if you do, and you will be immediately hit with the racist, xenophobe, bigot, you're a hater, they know that you don't want that. That that that, that They're running that game. Now, there's... For every person that, you know, does like to stay up all night fighting with somebody on Facebook, there's a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand people that are saying, I can't have that kind of controversy. And Bill even mentioned, I can't, for work reasons or academic reasons, I can't be, I can't be controversial. And they get away with it. Wall Street Journal on Sunday had a column entitled, Omicron makes Biden's vaccine mandates obsolete. Luke Montagnier and Jed Rubenfeld wrote, uh, with the courts considering um, the vaccine mandates, including the Supreme Court having oral arguments last Friday, um, what's the point, basically? They write, it's irrational, legally indefensible, and contrary to the public interest for government to mandate vaccines absent any evidence that the vaccines are effective in stopping the spread of the thing they target. But that's what's happening here. In other words, at the time that these cases were brought against the vaccine mandates, and at the time vaccine mandates were being uh, put, put out by the Biden administration, we were in the Delta wave. Okay? And the Delta wave, if you remember, was the variant that was uh, seemed like it was the most serious in terms of people's suffering and people's... Uh, uh, the effects on people. But Omicron and the associated mutations of it, and there's dozens of Omicrons in actual fact, um, are, are evading the protections that the vaccine gives you. We know this. This isn't a theory. It's not even correct anymore to call these breakthrough infections. This vaccine is largely ineffective against Omicron. So their point is, why are we fighting over mandating a vaccine that is not going to help what we are currently facing? And that sidesteps the other questions about a vaccine mandate. Is it constitutional? Is it the proper role of government? But but it's an important question. And I guess what I would like to see, I don't expect that the government will just say, oh, never mind, but you would like to see a sense of humility. 
you would like to see a sense of, well, we've got to rethink this. But see, government only knows how to go one direction, forward. And plunging stubbornly forward is all politicians know how to do. There's no value politically in backing up. There's no value politically in saying we've got to rethink it. We're not so sure. The um, vaccine mandates don't make sense if Omicron is affecting people that are fully vaccinated and boosted. And when people bring up, and they often do, if you get into an argument with somebody and they're pro-mandate, they will bring up a 1905 Supreme Court case uh, called Jacobson versus Massachusetts, which was when the Supreme Court ruled that um, a particular vaccine could be mandated to stop a particular contagious epidemic. But in the 1905 example, it did. And in 2022, it does not. So shouldn't mandatory be accompanied by necessary? Shouldn't something that's mandatory by its definition be something that, oh, we we have to have this to stop the, the spread of this virus? And if it doesn't, what is your remaining argument? And people will say, well, it might do this or it might do that, but that, but might is not good enough. When you're giving orders, might is not good enough. And the data is not even very supportive of the might when you get right down to it. 210 599 So the government came out around the holidays and said, oh, we don't, you don't need to quarantine for 10 days. You, need to, you just need to quarantine for five days and then uh, be asymptomatic and wear a mask for five more days. Do you think they did that because the quote-unquote science evolved? Or do you think they did that because we need people back at work? It's hard not to think that all this, all these changing guidelines, even, even the, the, the sudden conversion moment that politicians are having about keeping schools open, you know what that really is? I don't even think that's really an acknowledgement that the kids are being affected by uh, distance learning or being kept out of school. That's an acknowledgement that if you, if you close the schools, there's a whole lot of parents that won't go to work. So aren't we just now throwing together new ideas and rules and guidance because we're realizing we broke the economy? Honey, I shrunk the kids. Isn't that what's going on here? I mean, it, it, it just, I, I get that science is evolving and we're always learning, but there's something about the, the convenience and the suddenness and then having people in the Biden administration who, when they were when they were out of office, everything Trump did was wrong. Everything Trump did was a mistake, was inadequate. But now they're coming out. Now they're in charge, and they're coming out with statements like, "Well, there's only so much we can do, and we're very limited, and this virus is not something that we can." Well, which is it? What what happened to we're going to shut down the virus, not the country? Amazon announced uh, that they are going to cut COVID paid leave for workers. 
Uh, Amazon is the second largest U.S. private employer. They said COVID paid leave has been reduced to a maximum of 40 hours as of this week. Uh, they've also cut the quarantine times in conjunction with the CDC guidance. What do you think is going on? 210-599-5555. The president of Mexico... Um, now, in Mexico, just so you know, they've got a, obviously a huge spike in cases, like we do, but they've got an even worse deficit of tests and vaccines much worse than we are. So the president of Mexico came out the other day and said um, Omicron is what he called little COVID. This is little COVID. And hospitalizations and deaths are not going up as the case rate goes up. So if you get it or you think you have it, you've got the symptoms, he told his citizens, just stay home. Take Tylenol and isolate. Don't go out trying to find tests. Don't drive all over town trying to find tests because we don't have them. That's what he told them. The The tests have been few and far between in Mexico since uh, last month. And they're not ordering mass testing. He says it would be a waste of money. And he said companies should not require COVID tests for employees. So the, the centerpiece of his strategy... And remember that AMLO was the darling of the American left when he came along. They, they, they loved him. He was like Bernie Sanders and AOC rolled into one. They were just in love with him. Now he's telling his people, this is like a flu. Just stay home until you're better. I wonder if they still love him. I don't hear him, I don't hear him being quoted as much. I don't know. What do you think? 210-599-5555. Jack on KTSA. Alex is on the radio. Alex, good afternoon. Welcome. Hello. Hello, Alex. Yeah, you there? I have to be. <laughs> good. Good, because you went blank there for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I was just, you know, the way I feel about it is, you know, it, it, it's true. You know, there, there is a COVID. How bad it is or how much we know about it, we have yet to find out. I've had eight family members come down with COVID. Some got very, very severely sick. And some are still having issues. Mm-hmm. You know, and fine, if, if you don't want to wear a mask, if you don't want to practice social distancing or hygiene, that's on you. They've given us the tools. Mm-hmm. It's up to us to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to do it, then chances are you're one of the ones that are going to get it or get caught. And if you do, it's on you. You made that conscious mm-hmm. choice. But is it really that simple, you know? Alex? Because is it really that simple? Because we see people getting it who are doing all those things and they're still getting it. Yeah, uh, I, I can agree with that. I can agree with that. And uh, I so maybe that, this is something we're all going to get at like the cold or, or the seasonal flu. We just, everybody's going to have to have their turn with it. Yeah, I think eventually everybody's going to get COVID. It's just like the flu. I think eventually everybody's going to get COVID, but I'm going to fight it all the way, even if I'm the last one to get it. 
Okay. All right. I don't blame. Hey, I did the same thing. I, I, I don't blame you for doing that at all. And I'm not, when I say everyone's going to get it, I don't mean you should give up. I just mean that as a country, we can't make it our strategy. We can't organize everything around the avoidance of this virus. It's, it's destroying everything. And we can't do it. Well, well, but, yeah, but, I mean, so you individually should avoid getting it, but as a country, we have to go on. Yeah, we do have to go on, but we have to take care of ourselves and each other. But that's always been true. I mean, you, you, you can't just raise your hands just because and say, screw it. You know, no, we have to keep trying. You have but to, what does keep trying keep mean? And, what does that even, mean? Even those that practice hygiene and social distancing, that that get it that's fine but there's a lot more people who practice those 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 tools that don't get it i'm one of them i have thank god i haven't got it yet well and, and, you know? well first of all i'm glad you i'm glad you haven't got it and i hope that you don't but i'm here to tell you there there's there's no there's only there's a limit to what you can do and at some point you're going to be around somebody that has it, and you're and, going to be exposed to it, and and then you may and and then you may get it, and you may not have symptoms. You may get it and not even know you have it. Yeah, asymptomatic. Right. Asymptomatic, where you know you're just a carrier and you just spread it. But that's why we need to we need to do, we do need to do something. We can't just not do anything. Well, no, no, no you know, but but who's the, who's saying is not the answer because we did that in 2020. March and April of 2020, right. we shut down the country. Nobody did anything about it. We knew. It I don't think any. Work. I don't think anyone is saying let's not do anything. My point is, you 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 have to manage the risk. You have to live with it in your midst. This idea of closing down again. We we will do no. this forever. No. This will go on infinitely. No. It's not going to work. It didn't work back in 2020 when whoever was president at that time. It was shut down then. It didn't work. We, 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 we can't do it again. Whoever that was. It yeah. It's not going to happen. Okay. So, All right, Alex. Thank you, sir. All right. Alex has forgotten who was president. Um, no, I look, I, I, I'm a germaphobe. I would be a, a hypocrite if I told you, let it rip. Throw caution to the wind. I'm a germaphobe. Um, and I got it. And um, not that I'm anybody that you should set your example after but believe me i was doing it all and i still got it and i got it because somebody who had it and had the symptoms ignored the symptoms and you can't control that it was frustrating when i realized that oh man it's a good thing i was off (laughs) i was not on the air because i was frustrated when i realized that but there was nothing I could do about it. It had happened. The cat was out of the bag. And um, I, I, I guess what I would like to think is that we're leading ourselves through this now. The politicians have, have stepped all over themselves. They've contradicted themselves. They've given contradictory advice. They've, they've told lies. They're, they're blurting out misstatements from the president on down, the Supreme Court justices, the CDC director. It's a hot mess. We're the ones we're waiting for. We're the ones that will have to have the common sense to get through this. It shouldn't be that the president of Mexico is making more sense than the president of the United States, but I think at the moment he is. 210-599-5555, Jack on KTSA. Uh, there was a guy on CNN the other day who was um, 
talking about this epiphany that he'd had about COVID. And he said, um, for the first year, year and a half, no one he knew, no one he came into contact with admitted that they had had COVID. But now with Omicron and lots of people getting it, he says a lot of those same people are telling me, oh, yeah, I had it last year, or I had it last fall, or I had it at the start of the pandemic or whenever. He says they must have been embarrassed or scared to say they'd had it before. Well, yeah. And, and CNN, you're part of the reason why. There was a huge... Salem witch trial mentality about COVID for the first year plus. You were a bad person. You were reckless. You were careless. You were a Neanderthal. You were, you didn't care about other people. It was, it was, it was portrayed as a moral, fa- <clears throat> moral failing. And the, and the, um, and the, and the libs on CNN were very smug about not having COVID. But now that AOC has it and, and people are getting it and media people are getting it, and I heard this morning that Savannah Guthrie from the Today Show has it, and actors and actresses, singers are getting it, and they're stunned that they've got it. They can't believe. You, you, we talked about Oprah, uh, not Oprah, but Whoopi Goldberg the other day. Whoopi Goldberg was stunned. She had done everything right, even voted for Biden, still got it. Yes, these people made it into some sort of a moral supremacy thing. It's never been that. It's never been that. It's a virus. We never, ever thought that people who got the flu or RSV had been crazy or reckless or morally unfit. We did this to ourselves. And it's just going to take common sense to get out of it, to get through it. And to know that it's immune to politics. I, I, I sure hope if you fell for the I will end the virus promise in 2020, you will never believe another politician who tells you he can alter the course of nature. <laughs> because that's, that's crazy. You shouldn't think that from anyone. 210-599-5555. Tony's on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Tony, good afternoon. Hey, Jack, how you doing? Uh, Good, how are you? I just wanted to share, uh, share an experience with me. I'm a military officer who flies globally, but I fly commercial. And um, I recently, in the last few months, traveled to Angola and to Senegal. And it's incredible the, how they handle it and how we handle it. Uh, when I went to Angola, they required everybody off the plane to do a COVID test right there in the hangar before they let you in the country. Uh, Senegal, they just required as an American citizen that I just have the vaccination. But the crazy thing, too, is you have to prove that you don't have COVID. You have to take a test before you can even get back into our country. So myself, as a U.S. citizen, military officer, I had to find uh, a PCR clinic in uh, Senegal in order to prove I could get back into our country. Wow. So it's, it's, it's the fear that you go, all of a sudden the government turns on, you have to show requirement, and you're not going to get back home if you, ha- if you have COVID. Yeah, yeah. 
And yet, at the same time, we're uh, we have a porous southern border. We don't know who who's coming. We don't know what they have, if they have anything, but we're stopping you. Yeah, and and you know what they're doing? They're making the airlines enforce those rules. The airline is the one who's got to go through all your documentation mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. they let you on the plane because they're probably going to the airline would have to pay to fly you back, you know, mm-hmm. to the country of origin. That's the thing now, though. If you think about it, the, 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 world, the way the world works now is when government doesn't have the power to do something or the mechanism to do something, it enlists the private sector to do it for them. And the private sector does it because it's kind of a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours thing, right? Right. And they don't want to incur fines or penalties. So they, they do it before you get on the plane. And then it's up to you to uh, yeah. quarantine yourself. You know, wait yeah. your 10 days, your 5 days, to get another test, and hope you can come back home. Yeah, very interesting. Tony, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate the call, sir. Thank you. George is on KTSA. George, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jack. Uh, I, I heard you say that you had COVID. I'm glad you, you uh, got better, sir. I had some Thank family you. members, too, and they luckily got better. So uh, we're, we're all in this together one way or the other, right? Yeah. So, uh, hey, just real quick, you, earlier you were talking about vaccine mandates and uh, how you were saying that getting a vaccine, the government should not mandate people to get vaccines because it doesn't stop the virus from spreading from person to person. Am well, I, I, was reading a, I, was reading a piece from the, I was reading a piece from the Wall Street Journal that was making the argument, why are we still debating them when the Omicron variant doesn't seem to be responding to the vaccine i'm not i'm not myself arguing against you getting a vaccine i got one i got the booster i'm not against them but it it does cut one of the legs of the chair out under from under the the mandate if the thing we're dealing with right now is not responding to the vaccine i understand so the thing is it it does it I've, i've seen studies personally that that show that it is still effective against omicron Maybe not as effective as it was against Delta, but still, you know, pretty effective. Uh, however, whoever wrote that uh, article may be a little confused because vaccines were never meant to stop the, va- the, the, the virus from spreading. It's meant to uh, reduce the symptoms or the severity of the symptoms mm. and avoid hospitalization. Uh, I got I to I interrupt you there, George, because the whole point, this is not an, ar- an article about the vaccine. This is an article about the vaccine mandate. And vaccine mandates are very explicitly, they're very explicitly about stopping the spread of the virus. So you're, you're conflating apples and oranges. Vaccines may be for the protection of the person who gets the vaccine, but vaccine mandates are social engineering tools. They are supposed to stop the virus. And if they don't, and if you can only say they might or they might a little, that totally undercuts the argument for the mandate. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I get what you're saying, and I understand it. However, in a, that's speaking as if we were in a vacuum. Because No, we're not in a vacuum. In 1905, when the Supreme Court approved a case a of mandating vaccines, that vaccine Everything did stop the do. spread of a contagious disease. It stopped it. This one is not doing that. How, okay, but if we don't... Okay, um... <laughs> I'm just a little nervous because I'm not. I never call in. I, I listen a lot, but I never call in. So, if if we don't do anything, or or not enough, then the fact that the virus will continue to spread. It'll continue to overload hospitals. And I heard Hannity talking about uh, monoclonal antibodies are the way to go. 
But the monoclonal antibodies are only for when you are sick. And ideally, you would want well, to not get so sick. That the monoclonal antibodies aren't even effective. The monoclonal antibodies aren't even effective against Omicron. So that, that's, not, that's not an issue anymore. There are, there are therapeutics and there are things that are coming online that will help people reduce their symptoms or the severity of their symptoms with Omicron. But, and, and again, I, I guess I just want to be clear with you, George, because I think you have blurred an important line here. And I'm not saying you did it on purpose, but you have, you ping-ponged back and forth between defending vaccines and defending vaccine mandates. Those are totally different things. Vaccines have value, I agree. Vaccine mandates could only be justified if they are constitutional, moral, and effective for society. This is not constitutional. I believe it is immoral, and it now clearly doesn't have a provable effectiveness for society. Jack, do you have children? Yes. And I, I do, too. And in order for our children to go to school, don't they have to be um, This is a, you're making a straw man argument, George. You, you're doing it again. I, I don't want to pick on you, but that's, you, really, you realize if you weren't such a nice guy, I'd be ripping you up right now. Those vaccines <laughs> that you're referring to, those vaccines that you're referring to, have a proven yeah. track record. They work. They don't do what this vaccine's doing. We don't talk about breakthrough uh, infections of rubella or mumps. That's not happening. That's not a widespread thing. Why are you bringing that into this conversation? Didn't everybody get vaccinated for that stuff? George, you're not, you're not, you're not hearing me. This vaccine is not stopping Omicron. Why would you mandate it when you know that's true? It reduces the severity of the symptoms, thereby reducing the pressure on the But that should be up to the it. person that should be up to the person getting the vaccine. The only the only moral ar- the only moral argument you could make for forcing on, people. Come on, come on George, come on, you know you know that a mandate means coercion, it means force. The only moral argument you could make for that would be if it was a slam dunk, stop it in its tracks. You know that's not true. You keep you keep using you know, waffling language, you know it's not true. I, I guess I just don't agree with that. because You, you don't I agree that that's not true? You don't agree that, that it's not stopping the spread of Omicron? Okay, I, I need you to, uh, I feel like you're gish-galloping me right now, and, and that's okay. The, I'm doing the thing what? Is, the thing, I feel like you're gish-galloping, you're, you're giving me, you're throwing, you're rapid-firing me a lot with a lot of different stuff. You're, you're rapid-firing a lot no, of No, George, I've listened to you. Listen, I've listened to you, and I've heard you out, and you are, uh, now I think, you know, I was giving you the benefit of the doubt before, but I think what you're doing is you're just, you're trying to conflate vaccines and vaccine mandates. I won't have it. I won't have it. And I, I appreciate your call, but I won't have it. And I'll tell you something else. Um, we are all Americans. We are sovereign citizens. There should be a very, very, very high standard for any new law, any action of government that's coercive. We are slipping into a, well, it might help a little, so let's just make everybody get it. Listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. It might help a little, so let's make everybody get it. It might have some effect. It might reduce the severity. So let's have everybody get Hear what you're saying. And and realize that at some point, if that becomes the new thinking, that can get turned around on you with something that you really, really, really don't want to do. You might have been A-OK with getting the, the COVID vaccine. I was. I didn't have any problem with it.
But that can be turned around on you on something else. There needs to be a very high standard. That's why this is in front of the Supreme Court. The vaccine mandates of the Biden administration, which were announced in November, are OSHA um, workplace regulations. That's what they actually are. And OSHA workplace regulations are supposed to be uh, data-driven. They ha- you, in other words, you have to, make a, to make a rule, you have to show a body of evidence that something would be dangerous to people exposed to it or people in a workplace where it was present. So at the time that they made these mandates, the Delta variant represented almost all of the COVID in this country. And all of it was based on the Delta variant. And the vaccines were seen as very effective against the Delta variant. But that's not where we are now. Omicron is 90-plus percent of the cases. And there's no you don't need me to tell you we're having a very different experience now with this one. So the findings on which the OSHA rules were based are obsolete. That by itself is a reason to stop, hit the pause button, and that's what I guess people are just unwilling uh, to do or consider uh, doing. Uh, Ray is on 550 and 107.1 KTSA. Ray, good afternoon. Hey, Jack. Uh, good evening. I, I just want to see what your thoughts are on uh, employer mandates for vaccines. Uh, like, say, you know, SAISD uh, mandating, you know, all their teachers be vaccinated. Um, and my thoughts are that, you know, as an employer, you know, you want to lessen the, you know, the impact of uh, of COVID on on your employees, right? You know, God forbid they end up in the hospital long term. And, uh, and I think, it, it, you know, I agree with employer mandates. What are your thoughts? Well, an employer mandate in the private sector, I think, is entirely up to that person because it's his skin in the game. If you're talking about a school district, that's a government entity. That's not a private employer. And to me, that should fall under the where is your evidence, where is your proof that what you are saying is essential because you're violating people's privacy, you're violating their their medical, uh, you know, their, their, the, the choice they make over their body. You've got to have powerful evidence. And that's not present. We know, we don't know that this works with the Omicron variant. So why are you, why would you order something that people are not willing to do, you know, doing voluntarily when you don't have evidence that it will help? Well, well, now with the Omicron, I, I realize that the data's changed. And, and I, I guess what, what, you know, the, the dangers changed too, but, you know, with the SISD, with them, we're concentrating. It was before Omicron, and uh, you know, mandating these employees so they, you know, they get vaccinated so they don't get, you know, very. But you understand sick. what I'm saying, right? The 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 yeah, vaccine I, I, I the is a yeah. different discussion now than it was three months ago. It is. It is. It is. And, and have you seen the data as far as like, you know, what what are the how's Delta still? Is it holding up? Is it still there? No, it it's Omicron is overwritten. Over ninety percent of the of the COVID in this country is Omicron, and there's an interesting. I don't want to get too into the weeds, but there's an interesting um, uh, study that they made in Massachusetts. Their uh, water agency, whatever it's called, for the state of Massachusetts, they take COVID readings of wastewater because you can tell what people are doing to a very large degree by looking at wastewater you can you can look at what uh you know what the percentage is of various drugs that are being used and what they're finding is there's a tremendous amount of covid in the wastewater in Massachusetts meaning when they look when they when they graph it 
it looks like there's a lot more COVID than the actual number of cases. And we know this is probably, I shouldn't say we know this is true, this is probably true because Omicron is so likely to go undetected. There's so many people walking around right now who think they have allergies, who think they have a cold, um, and aren't going to get tested, and aren't going to go to the doctor, and they're going to get, they're going to feel better in a week. But the wastewater tells us it's out there, and there's more of it than the cases that we're counting. But that's good news. That means we are living with it. That means we are managing it in our midst. That means people are figuring out how to get through it. And again, if you want to make the argument for a mandate, but you are willing to concede that the, the, that the variant we have now is not responding to the vaccine, then what is your argument? We should force you because maybe? We should force you because you would feel better? I mean, listen to what you're saying. Do you, is that really the road you want to go down? Where healthcare decisions are coerced on maybes? Because that's where we're headed. I'm just saying. I mean, show me something that's a slam dunk. Show me something that, that is absolute. And you won't have to mandate it. People will line up for it. 210-599-5555. We've got, uh, news headlines. We've got a really interesting guest coming on. I don't have time to explain to you what this is about, but, um, we, we have, uh, heard people say a lot lately that various restrictions or government responses to COVID, um, are compared in some way to Nazi Germany or the Holocaust. And then other people always say, oh, you can't do that. You shouldn't say that. He has a different take on it, and you'll hear it coming up. Our, our next guest is rejoining us for a second time, but I read uh, Dan Galertner a lot uh, wherever I see his byline, and he wrote something the other day that, that really jumped out at me, and I wanted to get him on as soon as we could. Um, it was a piece at uh, uh, American Greatness, amgreatness.com, entitled, Is Comparing COVID Restrictions to Nazism Ever Okay? And uh, we welcome Dan Galertner to the KTSA, Connecticut Quality Water Softeners Newsmaker line. Dan, it's good to have you back with us, and I appreciate your making time. I, I think you would agree that it can get tired, it can get old when people start calling each other Hitler because they run out of arguments or it's the worst thing they can think of saying. But there is another um, sort of rule people invoke, which is you mustn't ever bring up the Holocaust. You mustn't ever uh, talk about parallels between this place or this country or current times and that time. And you say that's a mistake. Uh, yes, and thank you for having me. I I think, first of all, that uh, I should note that this rule only applies to conservatives because leftists can say whatever they want. Traditionally, <laughs> true. Yes. Uh, they're allowed yeah. to call anyone Nazis. They're allowed to say anyone is Holocausting anyone else. And it's, it's totally fine. However, there are strict limitations on freedom of speech for conservatives, and this is one of the things that we are really not allowed to get into. And in fact, it's something that that divides, it seems to, even sort of uh, Jewish conservatives that I know. They're not sure what to do with the subject of the Holocaust. And I think that in many corners, it's been mistakenly sort of elevated into this area where, where we can't possibly compare anything to it. It was just too awful. And so any situation today is bound to be trivial by comparison. But what happens if we get a really serious situation? And uh, I think could think I could argue I think that uh, a really situ- serious situation is is brewing right now. 
You write, um, is behavior only Nazi-like if you're actually murdering a disfavored class, as they are today in China, or is it bad enough just to create separate rules for people, limit their freedom of movement, restrict their right to patronize certain establishments? And as you point out, the, the Holocaust was the culmination of a series of steps or policy decisions or whatever you want to call them that were acquiesced to by the people of their time. Absolutely. The Nazis were Nazis for a very long time before they actually started the what we now think of as the Holocaust. And the war, in fact, had been going on for a long time before they started what we now think of as the Holocaust. And um, it's very striking if you look at the countries that the Nazis invaded and subjugated. If you look at France, for example, they hadn't been there for very long when they did a sort of uh, rapid version of what they'd done over a larger number of years in Germany when they took power there. First, they confiscated Jewish property. They prevented Jews from participating in regular society. They prohibited them from going to restaurants where Aryans ate, and meaning like Aryan Frenchmen, also just regular French. And uh, and then, you know, they ultimately forced the French Jews also to wear yellow stars. And uh, that was, of course, a step prior to rounding them up and taking them away, which they ultimately did. The yellow stars made it easier. But at every stage along the way, in this theoretically more or less regular society, or at least one that people recognized and were willing to participate in, uh, each one of these things was was greeted with a just, uh, all right, well, I guess we have to do this now. I guess we have to do this now. I mean, the people the people in charge are telling us to do it, so let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, others have pointed out, I think, that, you know, the the Nazi regime made laws, then obeyed those laws, and could say, "Well, we're just doing what the law says." Absolutely, it's um, the the question of the yellow stars, for example, is in my mind a double indictment. Although we often miss half of that, um, it's certainly an indictment. Uh, and I'm not even talking about being an indictment of the Nazis. Obviously, that is obvious. But l- look at the way society responds. It is an indictment, both of the people who are willing to put on the stars, um, in this case, the victims, the Jews, I think it's an indictment of, of people for being willing to be victims in this circumstance. And it's also an indictment of their neighbors for not standing up to them, for being mm-hmm. willing to, to go through this sort of thing. And uh, you, could, you could say COVID restrictions introduced here are relatively minor. They certainly are compared to other parts of the world. But, you know, things don't start with a full-blown Holocaust. They start with little mm-hmm. steps that tend, tend towards tyranny. So when people are making these comparisons, um, it's not that they're trivializing or, uh, I don't know, commoditizing the Holocaust. They're, they're recognizing that, as you just said, you get there incrementally. Yes, and... I- I explained in the piece, you know, I'm I'm Jewish, and I take being Jewish seriously. I take being an American seriously also. And uh, so when I see protesters protesting COVID restrictions and comparing it to the Holocaust, it doesn't bother me at all, because I don't think they're trivializing the Holocaust. To me, it seems that these people actually take the Holocaust very seriously. They've chosen it precisely because it's the, the greatest human tragedy they can think of. That's why they they are using it for a, a comparison to something that they believe is really terrible. And I think that they happen to be right. What's going on is actually terrible. The objections, on the other hand, uh, that we've seen to, to comparing code restrictions to the Holocaust, I think, come from the fact that the people who object to that just don't think 
that what's happening today is actually very serious or very bad. Uh, they don't think it's bad to force people to get vaccinated. They don't think it's bad to force people to show their papers when they want to go to a restaurant or to force them to eat outside separately by themselves. They don't think it's uh, bad potentially to do uh, what Australia is doing, you know, lock people in their homes or take them away to a special quarantine camp against their will. And they may not even think it's bad to do what China is doing and, and um, pe- uh, perhaps kill people who are who are. Um, not in the favored political class. So I don't know. I don't know exactly where the uh, the cutoff line is for for the people um, objecting, but they certainly seem to think that all of these things aren't really terribly very very serious. Not even worth getting upset about. Yeah, it, it would seem to me that not not being Jewish, it would just seem to me that you would want people to to. Um, know the history and know how it came about and not therefore try to block or prevent them from looking for parallels not every parallel will be accurate but it seems it seems counterproductive if you're an american jew to shush people or scold people for making that comparison yes i think that there is no sentiment as corrosive to the human spirit as self-pity and feeling like a victim and um, no matter what it is, I mean, no one has an easy life. No one has a completely easy life, certainly, uh, whether as an individual or as a group of people. Um, the idea behind America, it always seemed to me, was that uh, we would move beyond whatever individual and, and group issues we had to deal with to do as well as we could possibly do under the circumstances, understanding that no one has perfect circumstances, and to learn from the bad things that have happened to the pa- in the past to the greatest extent we can. Now, the lesson that I take away from the Holocaust, also, as I say in the piece, is that it is very bad to allow yourself to be disarmed and to be at the mercy of a government that may become tyrannical. That's not, generally speaking, however, the lesson that is taught in Jewish schools in this country or elsewhere. So the lesson is more uh, they were they were victims, uh, they couldn't help it, and that may be where the discomfort comes in this in, in drawing these current uh, comparisons. They don't want to yeah. lo- they don't want to let go of that victim that victim definition. I think that it's it's come, become common in, in education across all schools uh, these days to inculcate students um, either with a sense of helpless victimhood mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or as a sense of uh, being an oppressor. Uh, you know, uh, if you're part of the majority, and there's nothing that you can do about that either. So either you're permanently evil if you're you know, if you're a white male, especially, or you're permanently a victim, as basically mm-hmm. anyone else, there's nothing you can do to change either status. And therefore, you're not really responsible for mm-hmm. anything that happens, good or bad. Mm-hmm. So this turns out to be about much more than the Holocaust when we, when we get into it. Really interesting uh, stuff. A great piece. Dan Galertner, thank you so much for, for coming on tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, Jack here on KTSA 210-599-5555. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me today, well, why didn't you just make the poll question, should we continue or should there be? Because you can't have a poll question about a poll that's like holding a mirror up to a mirror. That could, that, 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 we could destroy the universe if we're not careful here. All right? Trust me on this. So I didn't want to make it a poll question. It just seemed kind of goofy. So we're, we're, uh, we're having a one day, uh, break from the JR poll. Just kind of threw it out there. Hey, should we continue to have it or not? I really did start it when I was a disc jockey in the 1980s. It was a way to 
it was my tricky way to get callers on the air in a format where you weren't supposed to put a lot of callers on the air. And when the boss said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, we, we have this daily poll question, and I just, you know, occasionally play back. A co- we would play them back on tape because we couldn't take them live. We weren't on delay. But uh, we would just occasionally play play a couple of calls or a little, I guess you'd say like a little uh, montage of people responding to whatever the poll question was. And it was always, you know, pretty light stuff because we were a music station. But, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see how uh, how you vote on it uh, or not vote, but, you know. If there's if there's desires enough to keep it around, we'll keep it around. Uh, you know, Paulina Poroskova is the supermodel. Paulina Poroskova. She was married to the guy that was the lead singer of the Cars, and um, she was one of the great, most prominent, most familiar, ubiquitous uh, faces of the '80s and '90s. And she was on magazine covers, and she was uh, she did some acting, and she's done everything. She's one of those Renaissance women that's done a whole lot of things. She. Uh, did an interview with the Times of London where she said, she's 56 years old now, looks fantastic, looks just as beautiful as ever, but she says she's now invisible. When she goes to parties, men don't even notice that she's there. And I know what you're thinking if you're a guy right now, could I get the address of that party? I'd like to head right over there. Um, She says men today only want a 20-something woman all the men today just want a woman who's 20 and i'm invisible they don't even see me i'm dressed up i've made an effort nothing comes of it she told the times we are a society set up for women who look like little girls that shouldn't be okay with us we need a movement to fight ageism but it requires a bending of the sisterhood, which just isn't happening. So she does not even look her age, but her point is, and I th- and she is singing from my songbook on this one. I mean, we've talked about this. You may have even heard us talk about We are a society that worships youth. Don't cringe and say, not me. Think about it. Never in the history of human existence has there been more of a premium on hiding the signs of age, covering it, concealing it, reversing it? I mean, the fountain of youth is, is an old concept, but most of human history involved some reverence for age. Experience was seen as, as good, right, as valuable. That's where respect for your elders comes from. Well, why would we respect our elders what other reason would there be other than they have some value to us? We might learn something from them. They know things. We want to learn those things. Otherwise, what would be the point? But now we 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 worship youth. To be a celebrity is to be young. To be a, a, a an influencer is to be young. And people that have age and have experience, instead of saying, hey, look, this is valuable... They try to look younger than they are, too. Now, I know this may not apply to you, and don't take offense if it doesn't. Don't take offense if it does. But she's absolutely right. I know she's saying this somewhat tongue-in-cheek, and again, it's not like you're going to start a GoFundMe account for Paulina Poroskova. She'll be fine. You know, we're not, we're not going to lose any sleep worrying about her and her, her, her psyche. But, but I think she's, I think she's in a very funny, 
sort of witty way, she's making a great point when she says, we're a society set up for women who look like little girls. And I would say men do it too. You know, I go in the locker room where I work out, and don't ladies, don't ever let men tell you that they think it's ridiculous how much time you spend in front of the mirror, the primping, because when you can't see men, men are doing that too. And men are coloring their eyebrows and their beards and their mustaches. and I mean, it's unbelievable. And I've had people say to me, uh, you know, because I have, I have white hair, silver and white hair. It's all, it's all white and silver now. I've had people say to me, you know, you're, you're only 56. You should, you could still do something about that. I was like, well, I don't, I don't want to. I'm not interested in it. I, uh, I had dark colored hair. That was then. This is now. No, she's right. 210, 599, Um, I sure would like to help her. I know a lot of people would, but uh, she says men ignore her at parties in favor of women in their 20s. Uh, those are very silly men, I will say that. Tell me what you think. 210-599-5555. Speaking of silly, uh, a school teacher in the Houston area named Sarah Beam uh, last week thought that her 13-year-old son might have COVID. He had the symptoms. So she took him to a drive through testing site that was actually operated by the district she had worked for. But she didn't take him in the car. She took him in the trunk of her car. And when uh, this came to light, the people at the testing center were horrified, and they asked her, what are you doing? And she said that was how she was keeping her son isolated. She put him in the trunk of the car to prevent her from getting exposed to possible COVID. That's what she wanted to do in case he had COVID. I, I, I guess I wonder what was she going to do if he had COVID. Back in the trunk, was he going to have to? Was he going to have to live outside, like tied to a tree, or live in the live in the tool shed, or what? What, what was the plan going to be going forward? Because I got to tell you, when 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 COVID comes into your family, comes into your house, there's only so much you can do. I mean, you can quarantine in a bedroom. You can. You can pretend you're like Hannibal Lecter and have that slidey thing through the door, you know, where you, <laughs> you slide the slide the meal tray through. The, but I mean, you're in the house, you know. You're in one. You're in a common ventilation system. There's gaps around the door, unless you live in a some sort of bio lab or something. What was she going to do? I mean, there's a million jokes here. You know, imagine what Mother's Day will be like in her house. But I guess where I go with this is I wonder what, what, what is happening in people's minds to make them act like this? You can say, well, Jack, she's just one person. But I mean, there's, there seems to be a lot of irrationality and a lot of hysteria. Were, were all of these people always like this? Or is something living in their head and working on them? And doing a number on them. That's what I think. I think we've gone way past, well, I just want to have the information, or let's just push out good information. I mean, in the beginning of COVID, that was the right thing to do, and we did it, and I think it was the right 
It was the right thing to do. I think people still are hungry for actionable information. Tell me something I need to know. Tell me a vitamin that will boost my immunity. Tell me a uh, a, a thing I can do, a trick of the trade, a, you know, <laughs> I can keep myself. But, but I think we've gone way beyond that to where a mother put her son in the trunk of the car. I mean, people were ready to, to, to you know, send Mitt Romney to Siberia because he had put a dog carrier, a, a crate with a dog in it, on the roof of his station wagon like 40 years ago or something. She put her son in the trunk of the car. <laughs> what was that conversation like? You know how you ask your kids to do something, you got to say it like five times? Did she ask him? Did she tell him? Did she trick him? Did she, did she throw some hot pockets in there? And then when he reached in, I mean, how did she get him in the trunk? I want to know. I want to know how that worked. You know somebody's going to interview him at some point. What's going on there, right? 210-599-5555. I, I brought up the, the trunk mom, the Houston trunk mom. She stuffed her son in the trunk because she thought he might have COVID and she didn't want to catch it when she took him to be tested. And I had people, you know, there's people that just have to argue, right? You don't know everything. You don't know what happened. Maybe he wanted to ride in the trunk. Oh, yeah, when you feel crappy and your nose is running, and you're coughing, and you've got a headache. Yeah, you, there's nothing you like better than an enclosed, gasoline-fumed space. Riding in the trunk is, of course, what you would choose to do. I, I, heck, when I call Uber, I, I, I always jump right in the trunk. Um, no, I mean, I want to know how she got him in the trunk. I want to know what that's all about. I want to know, was it a trick? Was it a ploy? Was there a a transaction of some sort? Was something promised? Because, you know, I'm Italian. Let me just, let's just, I'm going to go there, okay? If our people tell you to get in the trunk, you're not going for a COVID test. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) If you take a ride in an Italian's car in the trunk, it's not to get COVID tested. There's a very good chance that you won't be getting out of the trunk under your own power. You know what I'm saying? Just saying. So it kind of jumped out. This story kind of jumped out at me. Because that's we don't mess around with putting people in the trunk. I mean, I'm not saying I've ever done it. But if I ever did it, it would not be to go get COVID tests. It wouldn't be to go get, you know... Cheesy tots at Sonic. You know what I'm saying? It's not what we do. And she didn't have like an SUV or a hatchback. It wasn't like she had a Supra or a, you know, she put him in the tailgate of a SUV, the third row seat or something. No, this was the trunk of a sedan. Wow. You know? That's, that's, some, that's some social distancing right there. Not messing around. 210 599 I mean, we used to have to run. When I was a kid, my, my parents had a station wagon, a Ford Country Squire. You remember those old station wagons, how the gas fumes would just seep into the, the, the back area where the third row seats were? 
And we didn't have to use the third row seats very often, but when we, if we took any, like if we took friends to the beach or we had any extra people with us, so we were a family of six, so we could use the, the, the bench seats, but if we needed those jump seats in the back, the third row, um, you were, it was like you were loopy after riding back there for half an hour to an hour because the gas tank was there and you could just, you know, you were just getting asphyxiated with the fumes. Um, so I, I would imagine the trunk is probably not a great place to be. Hope not to ever find out. Uh, 210 599 Jeff is on KTSA. Hi, Jeff. Hey, it's just, uh, yeah, I mean, the old days, uh, used to, of course, he only did it right before he got to the drive-in, but everybody piled in the trunk. Oh, I've heard about that. Yeah, did you ever actually do that? Uh, actually, yes. Yeah, some couple of my schoolmates... I had um jump in and uh, pile in the trunk just to get in the gate. <laughs> so you would you would wait till you were pretty close to the drive in oh, yeah. then Definitely. put it yeah. Okay. And yeah. and did you ever get caught? Did were they I would have thought they'd be kind of on the lookout for that, but no. Well, it's like me and my girlfriend up front and then just a couple of the buddies in the back so once we got in there uh yeah. kind of let them out the trunk and they went and did their own thing. <laughs> right. Well, fun. that, of course, uh, you know, trunks used to be bigger on those old cars, too. You know, I can't imagine oh, there yeah, was a whole yeah. lot of room in the trunk of her car. Queen size mattress in those old cars. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. They were, they were huge back there. Yeah. You could get right yeah. in. You could probably walk, you could probably walk in without bending your neck. All right. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, 210-599-5555. Put him in the trunk of the car because she thought he might have COVID. That kid will never ever tell his mom any symptom he's ever having again of anything right he's <laughs> he's never gonna he's never gonna ask for cough syrup he's never gonna ask for a throat lozenge he's never gonna n- nothing i don't know she said that um uh she thought they could just pop the trunk and test him <laughs> where did she get that idea Anyway, they told her, no, he's got to get in the car. So she wound up having to let him into the car anyway. And um, she has been uh, ticketed for child endangerment. I don't know what will happen. She was a teacher. She had been a teacher, but she was on leave at the time of her carpooling to the testing site. All right, so, um, by the way, if she ever offers you a ride, you... Just, yeah, say no thanks. I'm going to walk. I'm good. Thank you anyway. KTSA News Time, 6.38. Jack Riccardi, coming up this half hour, we will not have the results on the JR poll. Feels weird. Like an empty chair at the table. I am hearing from a lot of people about the poll. This is uh, interesting, been revealing. I'll share a few of these emails here coming up with you. We, the, if you. If you're wondering what's going on, we, we didn't do a poll question today, and I've been just sort of asking, you know, to... Do we continue to do this thing, or do we kind of, you know, let it go? Um, 
continue to do it is carrying a narrow margin right now. Um, so you, you may have heard us talk a little bit about this. Um, the supermodel Polina Poroskova did an interview with the Times of London in which she says that uh, men she tries to flirt with at parties are only interested in younger women. I am now completely invisible, says one of the world's most well-known faces. I try to flirt with guys, and they just walk away from me to pursue someone 20 years old. I'm single, I'm dressed up, I've made an effort, nothing, she says. Ladies, can you relate to what she's saying? Is this true? And I I mean, I realize relating to Paulina Poroskova is a relative thing, but I I think I'm not in in a great position to judge this, but my sense is that she's right. I think she's right. Because certainly when you just look at the overall world or culture, youth is everything. And having, you know, age or having uh, experience or even wearing your age, even if you're wearing it well. You know, I think, I think, I think people can, st- men and women can still be very attractive as they age. But it says it's it's almost obligatory that you hide it, cover it up, conceal it, mask it, ma- you know, camouflage it, and um, and that I think is because we really we we put a premium on youth. We have valued youth above experience, and you could say, well, no, Jack, it's just beauty. We, we value it, but she's a beautiful woman. So it can't be that simple. 210-599-5555. Who are these men and where are these parties? Where the hell is she going? She needs to get some better parties. I don't know. Now, the other possibility, I, I thought a little bit about this as the afternoon went on. The other possibility, remember when you were in high school and um, there was, and, and I think this is true of men and women, so tell me if you can relate to this. Was there someone in high school that was super good looking? You know, best looking guy, best looking girl. And, and it was, she, she, he or she was so good looking that you never ever approached them, spoke to them. They seemed unattainable. And the funny thing about that is, if you go to your reunion 20, 30 years later, those people will tell you, it never fails. Those people will tell you that they were lonely. Those people will tell you that they were almost, they almost felt like they had a fence around them because everybody had talked themselves out or psyched themselves out of asking her on a date or asking him out or, you know, making up to him or making up to her. People just, People convince themselves, oh, it's no way. I'd have no, I'd have no chance. So maybe, maybe the men at the parties were Paulina Poroskova's at the party. Maybe they're thinking, oh, that's Paulina Poroskova there. Forget about it. You know, why even bother? Why even talk to her? But she says she's going up to men and they're shunning her. Maybe they're just fainting. (laughs) I don't think I'd do very well. If Paulina Poroskova just started talking to me over the, you know, over the vegetable tray, I don't think I do very well. One time when I was at the other station, they brought um, Selma Hayek in to, for an interview, 
And it was something I didn't have any lead time for. She was doing publicity for a movie of some kind. I don't remember. This would have been in the 90s. And with very little notice, they said to me, you're going to be interviewing Selma Hayek. And at first I thought they meant on the phone. They said, no, she's coming in. Coming to the radio station. Now, a lot of rock stars and celebrities come to radio stations. That was so... I, I could just hardly breathe. And she was so beautiful and so nice. And she was complimentary. In other words, she knew that everyone around her was starstruck. So she was going out of her way. I'm just telling you this so that if you already like Selma Hayek, you, you, you should love her even more. Because she's a beautiful person as well as a beautiful looking person. But she went out of her way to tell everyone, you know, nice to meet you. It's nice to be here. What do you do? What is your job here? Everybody. So they bring her in the studio, and we're, we're discussing this movie that she was promoting. I, I don't recall now which one it was. And, um, <laughs> and I'm not making this up to make myself look good or sound good. She said to me, and I was fumbling and bumbling all over the place because I, I was just, you know. I would have been fine with her on the phone, but in person it was a bit much. She says to me, you know... You're really a beautiful man. And then I was done. Then I couldn't, I couldn't remember the call letters, my name, what day it was. I mean, it was all over after that. So maybe Paulina Poroskova just can't, you know, maybe men are just, their brains just get scrambled, you know, in her presence. But she says when she goes to parties, now she was married, you may remember, to Rick Ocasek, the lead singer of The Cars, who passed away, what was that done, maybe about three or four years ago? Rick Ocasek? I think about three or four years ago. They had been married for a long time. They met on a on the, the, the uh, set of a music video. She shot one of the music videos for The Cars. And they, they got married. They were married a long time. They had kids. Um, I think they were divorced by the time he passed, but um, they were still friends. Have you ever seen Rick Ocasek? If you forget what Rick Ocasek looks like, you take a picture, take a look at, at him online, and then tell me that you don't have a chance with Paulina Poroskova. Just saying. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be judgy. I'm just saying. He was not exactly a matinee idol. So maybe Paulina is, maybe you could talk to her. Maybe you could hang out with her at the, you know, over there by the cheese and crackers. I'm just saying, you know. Stranger things that have. Always remember those. Those good-looking people in high school that no one would talk to and no one would ask out. There was a girl in my high school class, a beautiful, beautiful girl. Dawn was her name. And she told me at the reunion, a couple of the big dances, she didn't even get, she didn't even go. And I said, I can't believe that. I would have thought you had people lined up. She goes, everyone assumed I already had a date and no one asked. So see, see what happens? Just say it. Things you can learn on this show. Uh, Roy is on 550 and 1071 KTSA. Roy, good evening to you, sir. Good evening, Jack. How are you doing? I'm the one that called last time on the other day during the week and said that you have to think like a philosopher. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember we, have, we talked about philosophy. That's right. Yeah, and I wanted to tell you, you know what, honestly, I know I've been hearing you for a long time, and I respect everybody in the radio station, and I want to say you're the professor, so we have to know what the professor actually is thinking about at the day or the day before, so that's why we have to we have to stay with the JR poll, because we have to have real sources, which is you, 
as a professor here in San Antonio. We don't care what Washington says, New York says, California says. We care about what Jack says in San Antonio, oh, Texas. That's You're very nice to say that, Roy. So you're saying we should keep the poll, huh? Keep it up. Keep up the good okay. work because I always look forward to it. Like I told my wife, my daughter, you know, she's 11 years old. And I tell her, you know, look at this. This is actually real helpful for you in the future because you'll take college courses or you're just going to go get a job and you have to know what's going on in the world. And fortunately, yeah. if you take off the JR poll, we will know what's going on in your mind or anybody else's mind. You put a little guilt on me there. Like if we stop doing the poll, it will it will affect your 11-year-old daughter. That's That's some heavy-duty... That's a heavy-duty guilt trip you're putting on me there, Roy. I think, I think no, you might have clinched it. I'm trying to because I know you have a 16-year-old, and but you know we would like to help everybody out. We yeah. like to educate everybody. And no, you're I'm a just professor, kidding. like you said, like everybody calls you professor. Chad, yeah. uh, Trey, and Sean. We appreciate them too. So we think about Sean hopefully doing well. And yes. also, I want to give a shout out to you know all the staff there. New Happy New Year's, and I wanted to say one more thing. Rest in peace, uh, Mr. Saget. He was a great person. You know, fortunately, things do happen in life, but we have to keep it in mind. I know you're going to that set right now, so thank you, Jack, for your time. Okay. And I appreciate thank you. you like Roy. I said, everybody think about like what I just told everybody. Think like a philosopher, and you're going to make it. Anything you do in life, you'll make it. All right, Roy. Thank you, sir. Great to have you. I hope you'll call again. Appreciate it. Um, 210-599-5555. Yes, Sean Rhyme is getting better and uh, going to be back on with Trey in the morning and on his own show um, tomorrow morning as well. And Karen uh, here on KTSA. Hi, Karen. Hi, Jack. It's Karen from Uvalde. I know, you know I'm your biggest fan. Um, yes. I wanted to tell you um, about the Paulina Porchkova thing because my, I had a devastatingly handsome daddy, movie star handsome. And when he got back from fighting World War II and went to Texas Tech, the first thing he did was go to the library and get the yearbook from the year before and look up the campus beauties and ask them out because he knew they would be sitting at home. Very smart guy, right? Yeah. And did that work and for him? Right. I'll bet that worked for him. Yeah, it did. Everything yeah. worked for him, but anyway. <laughs> See, I think that's the thing. I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know from personal experience, but I think people who are very very attractive, um, they suffer from a lot of people being intimidated by them. You know. He, he said it was always a hindrance and never a help to him. Yeah, I would still like to try it though. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Good to hear from you, Karen. Thank you for the call. Yeah, I'm not feeling too sorry for her, but uh, you know, I do. I get it. I think there's some. I think there's some truth to all that. Um, yeah, and 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 uh, and maybe she's being a little bit, you know, tongue in cheek. Uh, she's a pretty smart lady. She's written a couple of books. She's, she's got an amazing story. I I'd forgotten about all this till I, I read another piece on her today. She had a whole thing where when she was growing up in Czechoslovakia, her parents were dissidents and they got in trouble with the communists and they left, but they couldn't take her, so she was stuck there and. But way before she became famous for her modeling talent uh, or looks, uh, she was kind of like a political cause. There were these international organizations that were pressing the Czech government to let her leave and rejoin her family. And she's just a little girl when all this was going on. She had quite a life. And um, if guys don't want to talk to her at a party, that's that says something about guys, I guess, or those guys. Um. You know, of all the things that are being said about Bob Saget uh, today, the comedian who passed away at the age of 65 in his hotel room in, in, in Florida, I think the thing that's impressive to me is uh, apparently he had a very, very good relationship with uh, 
and was very, very proud of his daughters. And isn't it interesting that somebody who became a star for the fictional portrayal of a family in real life always said that the biggest and most important thing to him was his was his actual family. And Bob Saget had, if you will, a charmed life. He raised beautiful daughters who all turned out well and made people laugh. I, I don't know I don't know if you can feel any more complete about a life that's only sixty five years than that, but those are wonderful things. Bob Saget, the star of the eighties and nineties sitcom Full House, passing away at the age of sixty five. America's funniest home videos outlay presents Home Salute Heads to Hey, wake up, guys. A salute to boneheads. Yeah, that's better. Ladies and gentlemen, Bob Saget. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I really didn't expect that response. Thank you. And a special welcome to our special one-hour special. This is a salute to boneheads. Thank you. One guy. How do you know if you're a bonehead, you might ask? Well, you're watching this show, aren't you? You're not watching a documentary on fish. Please say hello to Bob uh, Saget. Yeah. You can tell from my entrance, I'm ready to fly. Uh, you, uh, Speaking of flies, I'm did sorry. you, uh, you came from Los Angeles? I did, I just flew in. So, so did you, you don't really Did you have any trouble coming in? Actually, uh, it's funny that you asked that, because I was, this is, this is truth, this is not just for bit purposes. Uh-huh. I was actually thinking, there's so many accidents now, and the plane's breaking in half on the front page right. of the paper. I'm wondering, if we did die, who would get my flight mileage? Yeah, that is a real <laughs> like if, if the plane crashed in like Chicago, would we only get half the mileage? Uh, America's uh, Funniest Home Videos. Right. Yeah, did you, did you think that was going to be the success it was? Actually, it was a special, and it beat 60 Minutes. Right. And I watched the tape of people just getting hit in the, the groin. It was, uh, people liked it. It was kind of like silent film, and it became Yoo-Hoo. Yoo-Hoo. Yahoo. Yoo-Hoo? You, you, you can cut this, right? YouTube. YouTube.